It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning to you. You're welcome to Tuesday's show. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia right across this week. And ahead on this morning's programme, we're going to hear about admissions, which are to reopen tomorrow morning at Bantry Hospital. We get the latest on this situation. You would have heard how a lot of anger was felt and expressed over the last week and a bit from the West Cork area. More so on Sunday from the square in Bantry as people marched across Bantry to highlight their frustration of what they felt was a letdown from the HSC and the government on what has happened with no admissions in Bantry Hospital. We'll hear very shortly on how this has been resolved. Also, overgrown graveyards, both local communities are unable to maintain them because of the graveyards being owned by the council. Now, as they are council property, the council say that they cannot afford to maintain these graveyards. So what is to happen with them? We'll speak with Councillor John O'Sullivan on this issue. And the National Children's Hospital, which is being constructed in Dublin at a controversial cost, may have a mass grave on its grounds. Archaeologists have done research on this, but one has done extensive research and has found evidence of a burial ground for infants from an old hospital in the 1800s. We'll chat with the former senator from Glanmire, John Gilroy, on this. Also, so much talk last week of Holy Communions and confirmations going ahead but is it time to remove these sacraments from schools? We'll speak with a priest who feels it is. That's Father Roy O'Donovan. And is it time, we ask you, to change the way people prepare for these sacraments? And should that be done outside of school hours? Your views are welcome on that. And he's a legend of children's TV across the 80s, the 90s and the early noughties. Bosco joins me on the programme this morning. And that's part of a series of outdoor shows from the Everyman taking place at Elizabeth Fort, just off Barrick Street in the city centre. Uh, so we'll chat with Bosco later. And Wally the Walrus, you may have seen him. He has been appearing right across the south coast of this country. Uh, lately, he was in Ardmore in Waterford. And yesterday, he appeared on a boat in Clonacilty Bay. We'll chat to that boat owner and the attraction Wally is having to Clonacilty. And why is he just appearing in various locations? We'll hear more about Wally the Walrus later in the show. Plus, 
We are playing bonus bingo across the show this week with thanks to C103 Bingo where you can win cash prizes every day. We're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI. Listen out across the show. I'll call out a bonus number each hour between now and one. And when you have all three numbers, you text or WhatsApp us the combined total and you could be a winner. You could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher at the end of the week and that can be used for any Clayton or Maldron hotel across the country. So that and more to come between now and one o'clock. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But a doctor has been appointed to Bantry General Hospital with admissions due to return to the hospital tomorrow. Jeopardy Christopher O'Sullivan informed us of this yesterday afternoon and he joins me. Good morning to you, Christopher. Hey, John Paul. Uh, this confirmation on these admissions now, it will obviously help the hospital reopen and bring people back in admission-wise. Uh, will it keep the doors open? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, as you rightly said, John Paul, while this is uh, very welcome news, you know, we, you're right, we can't lose f- sight of the fact that for the last two weeks, um, the admissions to the acute medical assessment unit at Bantry were closed. And it's a situation that should never have happened, should never have arisen. Um, and we have to do our very best to ensure that it, it doesn't happen again. Um, so, you know, the short-term plan was always to try secure uh, a locum physician so that the uh, acute medical assessment unit could open uh, as soon as possible. And I must say at this stage, you know, we, we will have a situation tomorrow at 9 a.m. where the unit um, will reopen, uh, which is a huge relief to the staff, the GPs, uh, the people right across West Cork. But I must acknowledge the... I suppose the people power of the people who of West Cork who showed um, up in big numbers in Bantry on Sunday to have their voices heard. Um, the, uh, the I must also very much acknowledge the staff at Bantry Hospital and, and the management of Bantry General Hospital. I have been in daily contact with management of Bantry General Hospital um, since this crisis broke two weeks ago, and trust me, they were doing everything within their um, powers to ensure that they secured a local position. They simply weren't there, and and that's the kind of crisis, and that's the huge national issue that we need to address. But the, the, they they were trying to secure a locum, and they weren't there to be secured because of peak annual leave and because of retirement, because they weren't there. So I think a lot of credit is due to the the management of Bantry Hospital for securing this as well. But no, you you're absolutely right, John Paul. Now that we have it reopened, uh, the priority has to be that we ensure it stays open, and we don't don't have a situation arising again where just because um, people take well-earned annual leave or because um, a consultant takes ill that we don't have a situation where the whole unit closes again and it's been bypassed and people are being brought to CUH. So that's the next priority. And did all of this come about because this was going on for a number of days, just over two weeks? Do you think it came about due to the public pressure from the media attention on this and then the protest on Sunday, which did see large crowds and saw people not only across West Cork, but South Kerry and TDs from all sectors coming uh, and politicians to Bantry? Did that have a bearing on this decision or was it just going to happen anyhow? The public pressure certainly helped. Now, again, as I said, um, the management of Bantry did not want this unit to close. Uh, despite what, what some people might think, they didn't want the unit to close. And as soon as they realised that they were under pressure in terms of having the um, appropriate number of consultant physicians on site, which is three, uh, they only had two, they, uh, and I can testify to this, I went in there, I met management, I sat around the table with them. They were uh, 
approaching the Mercy Hospital for a consultant position. They made approaches to Kerry. Uh, they they went to recruitment consultants. They tried everything to recruit a consultant. So it was it was always the case that they were going to do their best to reopen it, and, and thankfully that has happened. But absolutely, people power, um, the the power of people's unified voices helped here. That's why you had the T-shirt getting involved. That's why you had Mr. Donnelly getting involved, and that's why you had the CEO of the of the South West Hospital Group. But did they get involved too late, Christopher? I mean, it did take a march, a public march, like we saw on Sunday with huge crowds. Uh, and when that took place, then we saw action. They were very no, silent for the last two weeks. I, I wouldn't say they were silent, John Paul. Um, well, there were uh, to us. They, they, they may not have been making public statements. I know that Minister Donnelly did make a public statement at the weekend, but I can tell you this, and I can tell you because uh, I was a witness to it. Uh, as soon as this crisis, this crisis broke, my first call was to the CEO of the South Southwest Hospital Group. My second call was uh, to the management of Bantry Hospital to try and find what was happening and try because there was a lot of lack of information. I'd actually have to I absolutely have to accept that. But um, my third call was to the Taoiseach of the country to do everything he could to intervene, and I can uh, tell you that he did. He, he made several calls to hospital management, uh, to uh, the um, head of the to the HSE, even as far as Paul Reid, um, and Minister Stephen Donnelly was also involved. So. While they may not have been um, making uh, public tweets or, or posts on it up until the weekend, um, I can, and, and you know, there was silence to accept that. I can tell you that they were involved, um, and, and I'll just have to say that. But at, at the same time, this situation absolutely should never have happened. And that is why the recruitment process now and the fact that they've secured two um, consultant physicians, a Portuguese um, husband and wife uh, partnership from Portugal to start on August 23rd is vital. And then it was another consultant starting in September. Uh, that, as I said to you before, instead of having what we have now, which is only three consultants on site, which they need to operate it, that we have five and a half consultants so that we have that buffer. So if we do have a situation arises where people uh, are on leave or if people take ill or retire, that we, that, we, that we don't have to close the entire unit. And that is my priority. And that the, the, the consultants that are recruited, that we do everything we can within our uh, grasp to ensure that they stay there um, and that they're kept there and that we have that cover. That's vitally important. And the INMO were out yesterday with the usual trolley watch figures and the overcrowding situation that is occurring in all hospitals right across the country. But they did point out uh, the worst hit hospital was CUH. And one of the reasons they say was due to the temporary closure of Bantry General Hospital. That was a likely contributor to the overcrowding in Cork. So it does make an impact if you do close services in one area of the county, such as Bantry. It will have a knock on effect. And that's why CUH was extra busy. So if there's any plan there in the future to change the operation or change the model we have here in Cork. Surely this is an example that it won't work and those in far out areas in Cork will lose out, but also those in urban and city areas will lose out. Yeah, and it goes back to that principle of, of Schlanchic care, which um, we're trying to implement, and that is community care in the community. Um, and whether, you know, tomorrow, of course, we, we want as little admissions as possible to our acute medical assessment unit in Bantry, but, you know, if you're talking... Um, 7, 10, 15 admissions um, going to CUH instead of Bantry, that really adds up and it puts huge pressure. And, and uh, at the protest in Bantry on Sunday, people were testifying uh, to the fact that they, in some cases, um, uh, family members, they bypassed Bantry, had to go up to CUH and then faced, a, in some instances, a 14-hour wait in CUH. That absolutely isn't good enough. And, and closing a fantastic unit like Bantry, <coughs> excuse me, um, we'll add to that. <coughs> so 
that's um, that absolutely that 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 is why the reopening of this unit is so important. It will hopefully ease some pressure from CUH. But there's a lot more systemic issues in 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 CUH and in, in um, within our healthcare system uh, that's leading to people being on trolleys that shouldn't be happening. That's something that needs to be dealt with at root. Uh, whether it's um, investment in extra units, investment in uh, healthcare workers recruiting extra healthcare workers to take pressure off that, but certainly dealing with um, uh, acute medical assessment in locality and in, in, in hospitals, fantastic hospitals like Bantry is part of that solution. And you know, speaking to management, speaking to the HSC, speaking to the minister uh, Stephen Donnelly, there's no intention to change that model. Uh, the intention is to continue with uh, acute medical assessment um, in Bantry Hospital. And I certainly would be holding people to account if that's not the case. And the intention now is to keep everything open. And as you mentioned, with those 5.5 consultants, and once they come in September, you don't want a situation where we will have no admissions in the future. And also you don't want a situation whereby they're going to look at something else in the hospital and feel that that could be done elsewhere. And, and that's the last thing we need. Very finally, Christopher, uh, we got a few texts in yesterday on this. I don't know if you can confirm this or not. Do you know if the extra department is open in Bantry today or will that reopen tomorrow? Don't know the John Paul, that is that's the first I've heard any reference to any issues with the the X-ray department in Bantry, um, and but I'll certainly investigate and look into it, and I'll find out what the situation is there. So. Um you're suggesting that the, the extra unit has closed, is it? Yeah, someone's obviously trying to get access to the extra unit and I don't know if they cannot make contact themselves because they, they, we've got a few tanks yesterday and again today and, okay. and we can't get information if it's open or not. So if, if anybody knows... I'll certainly do everything I can to get that information. I've been focusing 100% on getting the acute medical assessment unit open uh, and we, we've, we've done that, we've secured that for tomorrow, but... Uh, certainly I'll, I'll find out about the extra units in Bantry and I'll certainly come back with as much information. Do and let us know what the info on that. For the moment, Christopher, thanks for joining us this thank morning. You. So Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. That is the news now that uh, the admissions in Bantry General Hospital will reopen tomorrow. A lot of people feel, like I was mentioning there too, Christopher, that people power uh, more than likely got this over the line as it was closed for two weeks and after a number of days of it being closed and people spoke up and realised what was happening and a lot of the uh, local people in the Bantry area Area. We had first responder Jerry Harrington. We had other uh, politicians from the area joining us to raise this issue and people on the ground in Bantry. And then that huge protest on Sunday and many people texting in saying that only for that they would wonder if we would be in the situation this morning saying that admissions would open tomorrow in Bantry. Heidi says, good morning, JP. I think that protest for Bantry, it just shows if we are unhappy with what is put to us by the government or we don't want it or don't like it or feel it's unfair then we should use our voices people power says Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and an email we got and maybe somebody can help our emailer on this this is to do with sleep and sleep patterns this is from Tommy and Tommy says I would like to know if any listeners are having problems sleeping at night Tommy says since last week he is having problems sleeping but he never had any problems before and there's nothing made worrying him at the moment so he can't figure out what the reason for this is he gives an example that on Sunday night 
Tommy went to bed at 10.30pm. He was really tired, but then could not sleep when he went into the bed. He was twisting and turning and he fell asleep for a short time. He then woke at about 2am. He went to the toilet and remained awake until 4am. Now at that stage, Tommy says he knew he was going to be getting up uh, early as planned. So he changed his alarm clock from 7am to 8am because he knew uh, that with the lack of sleep, he would not be fit for the day if he got up at his time planning of 7am. So he says eventually he got to sleep at 4.30am. But when he went to work, he was chatting to his work colleagues and many of them were saying they were in the same position. So he's asking us to say and ask if others are having problems sleeping in the past week or so. Uh, So is there a problem with sleep? Um, Usually it's, some people would say it's in connection with the moons, but there's no full moon until the end of the month. So it's not much to do with the moon. Uh, But what could it be to do with anybody else having problems sleeping at the moment? The temperatures, it's warm, but it's not that warm either. We're not sleeping with the windows open like we were a number of nights ago. So any idea or can we help Tommy who is looking to know he's having sleep problems can figure out why nothing major worrying him. He's just not sleeping right for the last week and a bit. Work colleagues are the same. He's just interested to know if other people are having the same problem sleeping. Are you having a sleep problem in particular in the last uh, maybe seven to eight days? Uh, That's Tommy's uh, timeline. Let us know. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls and comments across the morning and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today, our lines are open. 1850-333-103 and you can now play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes here across C103 and to celebrate we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI listen out across the programme because I will call out a bonus number each hour between now and one and when you have all three numbers you then text or whatsapp us the combined total and you could be the winner so your first number for today is number seven okay Number seven, write that down. I'll give you another number after 11 and the final number after midday. And if you then combine the total, you could be a winner. You could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher at the end of the week. And that can be used in any Clayton or Maldron hotel across the country. And for full details on how to play C103 Bingo, go to our website, c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo with thanks to the NCBI. On the way, Local graveyards, which are becoming overgrown at the moment, local communities wish to maintain them, but they cannot because they're told they're council property. But then, on the other hand, the council have said they have no budget. So what happens to these overgrown graveyards? We'll chat about that next. For today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Many local communities, they are willing to upkeep their graveyards, but at the moment they're being prevented from doing so. Some graveyards are becoming overgrown, but as locals are not allowed to help out, what can be done? Uh, Councillor John O'Sullivan joins me on this issue. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, why are people who wish to go in and do good and clean up the graveyard, why are they not allowed? Well, it's, it's like, it's like the, I suppose, back to the to the case when the grave digging that appeared a number of years ago, it's health and safety and it's bureaucracy and it's everything else. But, I mean, really, the first point to call here is the Cork County Council have a responsibility, in my, in my view, to maintain the cemeteries. Um, people have purchased graves there. They have buried their loved ones there. 
they like to visit them and uh, it, it's only appropriate I think that, that, that this be maintained and that's the first point of call I would have but I, I have been getting several and many phone calls over the last number of weeks from people who, who visit who visit their, their family members' grave and when they come out they just make the call to say that it's just appalling that the state that cemeteries are left in. And, and are I, the councils saying they have no budget to go along so and maintain these graveyards is it? That's what they're saying Yeah, we've, I've, we've raised it on a number of occasions at my administrative district meeting and Mark Darohickey is, is quoted there he's saying there was cutbacks to budgets now as far as I'm concerned that was never flagged that, uh, when, when the budget was adopted uh, that the cemeteries wouldn't be maintained or, or, or that but like one situation which really brought it home to me was in the present situation with, with, with COVID and social distancing all that when, when a, a funeral takes place um, the, the undertaker generally organises that the people pass at, at a path at one, one lot of plots away from, from the family that they can see who's there they can't make contact but at least there's some order put to it and he just said it can't happen on this occasion he said because the path that I would require them to, to walk along the, the bushes are out he said people can't walk the path and I mean that that that's absolutely unacceptable in, in my book. It's and so turn sad. And, and, and to leave the whole place going to wildflowers and and not only wildflowers but noxious weeds and everything else. That's only going to make the problem worse going forward. Yeah, and families are going through enough, and funerals are hard yeah. enough at the moment without not being able to see who's willing to you know stand at a distance away. But now they can't right. even do that because of this. You mentioned there, you know, when somebody does buy a grave plot, they pay for that. Where does that money go to? That, well, that goes into I, I, so the capital fund. Um, that's, I suppose, we'll be told it's it, it's it's there to provide the grave to to do the land to buy the land and and and, and to divide it up and put in put in the the plots and that into it, and that that's what that goes towards. But look, there's there's a property tax, there's rates, there's all sorts of local income, and Cork County Council get, get in quite a substantial sum of money. To, to maintain the, the cemeteries in my book is, is a minimum. I think we'll all end up there someday uh, and it's a sign of respect to those who have gone before us. And I, I've been just making making the point strongly that I, I, I can't accept that we, we let the cemeteries go the way they are. I mean, just I just take the, the cemetery in Timothy. I'd say in the past three weeks, there's not a second day we're going that they're not getting calls from people. And I got a call from a couple who said, look, we'll, we'll gather a, a, a crew together and we'll go in and we'll, we'll, we'll do it with swimmers. We'll do it in a, in a couple of evenings and we'll start it out. And I say, you just can't. It, it's um, property of Cock County Council. There's no, there'll be no insurance there to cover you. And, and they're the, afraid if someone falls or injures themselves while doing that, that they could, is a claim from the council? Well, not only that, but if in the event that a stone was moved or there was grass there and somebody fell over it, who would be liable? Then Cock County Council would walk away from it. Because they 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 didn't do what was done. It, 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 it's the litigious, uh, I suppose, uh, society we live in. But you can't, you just can't put people in in, in that danger. Like, I mean, look, the rea- the reality here, as far as I'm concerned, is Cork County Council's responsibility to maintain them, and they have to do it. And that's it. Uh, as I said, be, because they feel so aggrieved at, at at the way they're being they're staying or that they are. Families are coming to and say, "Look, we'll do it ourselves. We we, we want we want to make sure that, that the place is kept nice and tidy, and and that, and they can't do that. And as I said at the meeting, they they can't do it, and Cork County Council is not doing it, and it's it's just 
there in, in the abyss it's just it's, as far as I'm concerned it's just not good enough and you mentioned there the money going into the councils such as the local property tax with all the money yeah. going in where is it going I mean, where is it being spent I mean we, we keep hearing they don't have enough money to uh, fix the roads in Cork and now we have this issue with the graveyard so with the local property tax and rates and everything else going into the council uh, wh- where is the money going to? Well, I suppose it, 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 it's inflation, really. The cost of doing everything is increasing fairly dramatically and fairly substantially. Uh, and the, the amount of money that's, that's coming in isn't, isn't just doing what needs to be done. That's, you know, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a household budget or whatever, whatever it is. Unless the amount of money coming in can cover the outgoings, there's a shortfall in, in, in a shortfall situation. That you or me in a household, we we might see a way to 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 borrow for a year or a year and a half or whatever it would be to to, to cover the shortfall. But there's a requirement on on the local authority to run a balanced budget. So if if the money isn't there, th- things just don't get done. So the money has been spent, but then none of us see the the spending of that money. Forget me. We we don't well, see the infrastructure improving. We don't see the roads roads improving, and and not this case of the graveyard. So if inflation yeah. is going up, I mean, we're not seeing any improvement. Even if they, they are doing the work, there's no evidence of it really across the the county. You know, roads are being repaired. We can see that, but there's no major works being done. Well, I there there are some, but they're they're in in location. I mean, the McCroom bypass is one of the. The but is that is that will, not will, the TII? Is that not a national uh, framework uh, budget rather than it, a, a it, county it, council it, budget? It comes into a county council that that goes through the budget as well. You see, because the, the, that that's the way things are, are done. It's TII will, TII will be funded, but it will, it will be coming to, coming through the budget. But I suppose really, you know, salaries and wages increase. The proportion of money that if the, if the money coming in is static, and the the salaries and wages increases. Uh, particularly in administration, the money to do uh, the underground work is is diminished. So you feel the money is being spent paying the wages of those in County Hall, well, is it? Look, it, it is. I mean, look, the, 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 when the budget that will be coming in, in, in two months' time to, towards us, that's the first thing that the, there's a requirement: the salaries and wages have to be paid. And, and don't get me wrong, they're, they're required. But the difficulty is is that the income side isn't increasing quickly enough to to, to balance it. And we're, we're, we're running into the problems like the graveyards, like roads. Now, and to be fair, there has been some substantial work done on roads in the last couple of years. With the, 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 while there are locations that need, need to be dealt with, the, the, a lot of work has been done on them. But like to me, the, the difference between doing this job right and keeping the cemeteries, as we said, correct, in a correct state is, is not a big lot of money and it's, I think we have got to focus our priorities to make sure that it's done yeah. and that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to yeah, do. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, if, if they're budgeting and, and the, the, the property tax and rates and all of this that people are paying isn't being budgeted properly, which what you're saying is sounds like that the, the money is coming in and it's going to pay the wages, which have to be paid, I get that, but it seems yeah. to be maybe 70, 80% of it's going towards the admin costs and then is it only like 30, 20% going towards uh, the costs of roads and graveyards well, and, and the physically the things we all see every day that, that yeah. that's what I'm getting from from this yeah exactly I mean look the, the, very clearly what happens is the the budget is, is introduced and if there if there are, if there's a shortfall in, in in revenue it's the the underground things the cemetery cutting the uh, the community grants are they're the first thing that will be that will be targeted for, for for cutting which is things that affect the, the, 
the ordinary people, the, the voluntary groups, and then and, and, and the people on, on, on the ground. And that's that's unfortunate, but that's that's the reality of, of the way it works. And in Crosshaven, I know they've brought in sheep in graveyards. There is that an, is that something that could be looked at to yes, uh, look at the costs. That, 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 that I've asked to look at, I mean, if, the, if there's a cemetery budget for, for cutting and that, if there are a number of cemeteries that maybe, you know, they'd have to be well fenced and that, and that maybe w- that there are some older cemeteries that, that there are not a whole lot of burials take place there and that it might be an option to, to put sheep into those if the fencing was, was adequate enough and uh, that might release money to, to, to uh, maintain the, 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 more, the more used cemeteries. And I mean, from what I'm hearing from Crosshaven and, and all the commentary from there is very positive that it did a great job there and that uh, I was told goats in actual fact would, would be would be a better better <laughs> in there but if you had trees in there they would do irreparable damage them. so sheep seems to be the, the, the agreed the agreed animal to put in there but certainly I, I have had I've had contact from a number of communities where there are cemeteries that are not very little used but they're, they're, they're saying that sheep being putting sheep in there for a couple of periods during the year would, would do a great job then it, it might be a much cheaper way of, of maintaining, maintaining the graveyard and, and in the short term is there any other solution apart from the sheep it's just going to go away things well, will remain as they are is it? We've got a commitment after making making a very strong case on the issue from, from the Director of Services that where there are cemeteries that, that, that have been brought to our attention that um, he, he, will, he will try to get, get a job done and get, and get, and get them cut and seen after Okay, well, we will wait and see what happens. We'll so for the moment, John, uh, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, that is Councillor John O'Sullivan on the issue of graveyards. I mean, have you noticed that in your local graveyards, uh, the, the ones that are owned by the council, whereby they are falling into disrepair by being overgrown in many areas of the graveyard? Uh, your views are welcome. And a lot of people would like, obviously, enough their graveyard kept up uh, and c- kept clean, first of all, but also looking well uh, for their loved ones who are buried there. 1850 333 Lines open. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And coming up, the National Children's Hospital, which is being constructed at the moment in Dublin, it may have a mass graveyard on its grounds. An archaeologist has done extensive research into this and we'll speak with him next. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Tens of thousands of infants could be buried in mass graves close to the grounds of the new National Children's Hospital. Former Senator and archaeologist John Gilroy from Glanmire has been conducting research into the site and joins me. Good morning to you, John. Morning, John. Uh, first of all, in your research, what's the background to this site that leads you to believe burial grounds lay beneath? Well, um, I suppose the site of St. James's Hospital um, was originally the site of the Foundling Hospital, Dublin Foundling Hospital. And to explain that a Foundling is or was a baby that was abandoned and found and, and, and taken to this hospital um, in the 1700s and 1800s. Um, the research that I'm conducting is based on a report that was published by the Inspector of Foundlings in 1876, which estimated that in the lifetime of this hospital, about 200,000 infants passed through the place. And the mortality rate among those infants was in excess of 60%. So it's a really dark time in our history. Um, it, it's very distressing reading this report and um, 
it's it's just something that we need to confront and acknowledge really it is and it's it's very sad to hear of what happened I mean, we're, we're, I suppose we could compare it just to some extent like uh, the mothers and babies homes even though it's it's different but that would be the nearest that many people today would be familiar with what has happened on those sites but when engineers and architects themselves would have been evaluating these sites John would they not have come across this? No um, there are infant remains um, in the archaeological context are not well preserved that's the first thing um, and after 200 years would not be preserved um, secondly the site has been so extensively developed um, over that period as well uh, that the ground is, is so disturbed so to say that there's mass graves there is probably not quite right to say that there's mass burials it might be pedantic is certainly right yeah yeah. So the burials would not be like we would be used to, is it that the the unfortunate bodies of, of those poor children would have been just laid there and, and, and not proper measures in place for a grave? Yeah, there's some very distressing um, um, scenes in the report um, about about the discarding of, of, of the baby's bodies. It would be rather um, charitable to say that they were, buried, they were very often just discarded, you know. God, that's awful. Yeah, itself, yeah, yes. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the hospital, the National Children's Hospital, it's over 35% complete. I was reading yesterday and construction work. I mean, they're aiming to finish this by the end of 2023. Uh, this is the first I've heard of this. I mean, you're the first person that has come out about this. Is there any recommendation to, to look at what has happened there or to be mindful of what has happened over the years, especially those hospitals you mentioned in the 17 and 1800s? Yeah, to be mindful certainly is very important. I mean, there's been extensive archaeological um, examinations of the site. Um, Lindsay Simmons examined the site there in the early 90s and 2000s and, and recovered no remains, uh, human remains, we'd say. Um, the basement of the um, of the Foundling Hospital was recovered and is preserved in situ, actually, under the Trizzy building on the site. Um, Talking about a memorial, surely we could mark the spot with, with some with some sensitive uh, fact. But I was thinking afterwards, um, what better way to use that site than actually build a children's hospital there? I think it's hundred percent fitting that we would do that. Yeah, I mean, it does make perfect sense for children who are going in uh, for various needs and for treatment that, that it is on a site that was used for something different, but still in connection with children a number mm. of years ago. I mean, these founding hospitals you mentioned there, I mean, did, did, were they just in Dublin? Did we have them in Cork? One in Cork, one in Dublin, and a, a very small one in Galway. Um, they're an inter- international phenomenon. They're not just based in Ireland. Um, they're, they're, they were found all over uh, Europe at the time um, with varying degree conditions uh, within them. Uh, ones in Spain seemingly were quite good. Um, most of them around the rest of, the, uh, of Europe were appalling. But the one in Dublin was certainly the biggest one in Europe. And as far as I can make out from this report that I've, I've, I've come across was probably uh, contained the worst conditions in Europe as well. And where was the one in Cork located? Yeah, it's a good one. It's um, on Leitrim Street on the very site of Murphy's Brewery or Heineken oh. now. Yeah, the, the, the facade still exists. Um, you can see it um, just on the left as you drive out of the city, um, um, heading for Blackpool. Um, just just um, at the brewery itself, there's an arched gate there that you can see. There is. And part, yeah, and that's part of the original uh, Foundling Hospital. Oh, and I passed that the other day and I was wondering what that arch was about. I was stuck in traffic and for some reason I hadn't spotted it before. You know, when you're, you're stopped in traffic, sometimes you see things you haven't spotted, even though you could have passed that place uh, hundreds of times. And I was wondering what that was for. So so that was the Fountaining Hospital, the entrance, I presume. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. God, fascinating stuff. And yourself, I mean, you're you're very well known from the political world, but I, I had no idea uh, you were an archaeologist as well. How long are you involved in this? Um, well, I've an interest in archaeology all my life, really, but I've only recently um, qualified from UCC with a degree in archaeology. Um, after I retired from politics, or perhaps it retired me, um, I went back to UCC and uh, got, a, got a degree. So I'm heading off to do a master's now in September in archaeology as well. And back to the Children's Hospital, will there be some type of memorial? So I know the hospital itself will be built on that site, mm. but will there be something within the hospital to, to make note of the foundling hospital that stood there, that was there a number of years ago on those grounds? There are no plans at present that, that I'm aware of for that. No, that's not that I'm aware of. OK, well, it's, it is in, in a way uh, remarkable uh, what you've uncovered regarding the founding hospitals that many people might not have been aware of, uh, but also uh, of what is on that site. For the moment, John, thanks for joining us this morning and uh, very informative of what you've come across there. Well done on your research and thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. That is John Gilroy there, uh, well known uh, in political life, former senator uh, from Glanmire, but his research that he carried out on the site of the National Children's Hospital and also um, the Foundling Hospital that he mentioned there. We had that in Cork as well, on the, where the Murphys or Heineken is based now there on Leitrim Street in the city centre. Um, it, very interesting research there by John. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open and you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Your views are welcome between now and 1 and 1850 333 103 Bernie taking your comments across the show or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Still to come on the programme today Joe Heffernan our regular councillor on the show not with us this Tuesday but instead we are going to hear how the Irish Men's Shed Association they have launched a new manual it's called Your Shed and Dementia and it's aimed at raising awareness of the condition as well as offering those who participate in the sheds and their families as Support Network will speak with Fiona Foley, who is National Coordinator of Dementia Understand Together campaign, and she'll join us later in the show. Also ahead, a lot of talk last week on the programme about Holy Communions and confirmations, if they should go ahead or not. But it seems now a number of priests feel it's time to remove the sacraments from the school and that the preparation of the sacraments should be done outside of school hours. We're going to speak very shortly to Father Roy O'Donovan, one of the priests who feels that way. And Bosco. Who remembers Bosco? Do you remember uh, coming home from school and at 2.30 uh, Bosco would appear on the TV? Uh, who remembers those memories of the uh, TV legends across the 80s, the 90s and the early noughties? And for those of us who thought it was Bosco we were watching for the first time, a lot of the shows we saw were actually done in the 80s and repeated again uh, in the 90s. But anyhow, the uh, TV viewing uh, that would have been for many of Bosco at 2.30 and then you switch to RT1 or maybe they're on the same channel for a time and watch uh, Live at 3 with Thelma Mansfield and Derek Davis uh, who has uh, passed on uh, Thelma very much involved in the arts world now in Galway and a fantastic TV presenter she was it's a wonder she didn't stay with TV or go back to it but maybe she had her own reasons she had enough of it uh, but she is in the arts world now in Galway and that was the scene set for afternoon television in Ireland well that legend Bosco joins us later before midday as he is coming to Cork and he's taking part in an outdoor show uh, as part of the Everyman it's they're doing a number of outdoor shows and they're taking place at Elizabeth Fort of Barrack Street 
conversation we'll chat to Bosco before midday and Wally the Walrus he was in Ardmore last week in Waterford he was in Clonakilty Bay yesterday jumping on people's boats we'll hear uh, how he got on yesterday and the man whose boat he appeared and decided to have his news on we'll chat with them after midday and I will give you your second number for our competition very shortly but a lot of calls and comments and first on Bantry Hospital uh, Michael and Bantry says so it's good news to hear that Bantry Hospital has a consultant and will open immediately everyone accepts that it is, it's a shocking decision uh, to have Bantry Hospital closed to admissions from Bantry and outlying areas such as the peninsulas including Kerry the question has to be asked of management why was this allowed to happen did management think that the consultants uh, that they would not take their holidays and holidays in which they richly deserve uh, that is the task of management and if they cannot handle it then they should move on before more death and suffering is caused says Michael in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and then earlier Tommy was on to us and Tommy sent an email just to know if other listeners were having a problem with sleep because Tommy was telling us in the last maybe seven or eight days there's nothing worrying him he always sleeps okay uh, but he's been having problems sleeping. And when he went into work, he was chatting to his work colleagues and they are in the same position. So he's asking people, is it something going on for the last week? It isn't too warm at night, but are others in the same position that they're not sleeping well for the last seven or eight nights? Uh, Tommy gave an example of uh, going to bed tired but not able to sleep and then falling asleep for a short time waking up uh, and staying awake then until the early hours of the morning and he's working so he's conscious that you know you're going to work tired it can change your your day of work because you're just not as focused as you would be without a good night's sleep you're not as refreshed so he's asking are others in the same position is it just him and his work colleagues or others noticing this and we check the moon cycle because when there's a full moon people do find it hard to sleep the moon does affect humans whether they like to believe it or not it has an effect Uh, and no full moon until the end of the month so not too sure what is causing this a number of people have asked um, can you ask Tommy says the listener in North Cork uh, that if he can't sleep did he get the Covid vaccine recently Uh, at the end of his email he did mention that but he said it was well over a month ago so maybe that is a bearing on it I'm not too sure uh, Joe is in Dumanway. Uh, Joe says, I've always been a bad sleeper. I never have more than two hours sleep in one go. I drift in and out of sleep. I still wake up okay every morning ready for the day ahead. Everyone is different. I eat chocolate late. So that may have something to do with it, says Joe in Dunmanway. Uh Yeah, some people, everybody is different when it comes to sleep. Some people just need four or five hours sleep. And then other people need the full eight hours, seven or eight hours. I'm one of those people I need need my seven or eight hours sleep or else I'm just all over the shop the next day and I just I always was and I need that, that that seven or eight hours sleep but then I don't have any problems with sleeping thankfully touch wood uh, I, I just seemingly drift off and, and get a good night's sleep but as Joe says there in Demanway everybody is different uh, Paddy in Mallow says since he got the Covid jab he is very tired all the time uh, similar to what the other listener there in North Cork was saying it could be related to that uh, maybe it's a, an effect later down the line to do with sleeping while Michael is in Skibbereen, he says for Tommy, uh, tell him, for him anyhow, eating broccoli 
is good for sleeping. So there we are. Broccoli is uh, might help uh, Tommy. Or Yeah, Tommy was the one that emailed in with the sleep. So uh, hopefully that will be of some help for others out there like Tommy. Thanks to Michael and Skibberine for that. And also uh, to Julie who says, Lullaby milk that you can buy. It's produced in Canturk. That helps me. I'm an okay sleeper, but I feel if I have a glass of that, it does uh, benefit me or even with tea during the day that I can get a good night's sleep. Uh, so what do you suggest for a good night's sleep for the likes of Tommy and others who have broken sleep patterns and feeling very, very tired across the day? Or are you like Tommy and do you feel that in this is really over the last seven or eight days as Tommy is saying and his work colleagues are the same that they just simply cannot get to sleep or when they do they wake up and they have broken sleep and Tommy himself says he's a good sleeper this never happens to him he he wants to know uh, are others in the same uh, situation let us know Uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie 1850333103 we spoke there regarding the graveyards and how graveyards across the county uh, basically locals who want to maintain them aren't allowed because they're council property and because they are council property the council don't have a budget to go in and maintain those graveyards and now they're looking messy they're overgrown and they're trying to come up with some plan on how this can be maintained and one thing uh, we were having the conversation uh, some uh, on the graveyards some graveyards and some cemeteries uh, are, the majority seem to be uh, council owned but are some parish owned as well I must get that checked to see if some are just owned by the local parish and that they would deal with this and the council wouldn't have much of a say on it or is every graveyard council owned. I will check that out. But on graveyards, John says uh, he is a caretaker for a cemetery for the past 42 years. And if there is a problem with the upkeep of the cemetery, the local people need to form a committee and then liaise with the parish priest, buy a few strimmers and do the work themselves. They only need to sign a disclaimer that they won't sue if they have an accident says John and a point that John O'Sullivan made the other fear was then if you knocked a headstone or caused damage to a grave uh, that a person has that has purchased from the council then who was liable for that damage the council will say not us we didn't do the work so that's the other um, situation that people are facing now when you mention that that there's a fear that the family may sue the person who was doing the cleaning because uh, the council will walk away from it just what the councillor O'Sullivan said to us earlier in the show and we mentioned sheep because in Crosshaven they've brought sheep into graveyards uh, graveyards there and they are doing the job when it comes to was it sheep or goats anyway in, in Crosshaven uh, that they have brought in the into a certain graveyard and that is maintaining growth in those graveyards there in Crosshaven well on that a uh, texter says is he having a laugh at mentioning sheep in a graveyard look at the dirt that would follow those sheep and that dirt would be on the graves if dogs are not allowed into the graveyards uh, then why sheep the council are just becoming a joke like the government we have at the moment says that texter and John in Clonakilty says on Cork County Council and the maintenance of cemeteries not being done the local government policy is to take on no workers for maintenance says John in Clonakilty they got rid of refuse collection and shortly water services will be gone to Irish water next will be roads and cemeteries and then you will have to call a number that will get you through to a call centre and no follow up after says John in Clonakilty 
County. And Tim is in Yall. He says, JP, the cost of maintaining those graveyards, the councillor omitted to say that the budget priority is to cover the costs of councillor expenses and staff salaries for the running of the county. Therefore, the graves of our loved ones are neglected, says Tim in Yall to 0862103103. And we heard so many people who have got their digital COVID search. Others have not got theirs. Christy is in Screen Rinky. Uh, he is waiting for his COVID search. He can't get through on the phone uh, like so many people we spoke to. Now, he had his second jab in May. He is a health and safety coordinator and he needs it for work. Now, I don't know if you got the jab, Christy, in a vaccine centre or from your GP. But I do know those who got those from the GP, some are still waiting because they are going to be posted out. The majority, it looks like anyway, are being posted out. You can go online. There is a portal online via gov.ie. If you can't get through, you can request your certificate online. Uh, but also, if you say you need it for work, I'm not too sure if your workplace can do anything for you. The phone line you mentioned there, the number that we had, and I'll get the number from Bernie again, and I'll give it out later in the show, but there was a number that one of our reporters rang but if you ring from what we have from people this may not may not work now because we get information out last week and maybe the phone lines have got busy at this time but people were ringing around four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening uh, but around four o'clock to five that hour the lines seemed to be not as busy as the hours or the periods of the day and people were getting through after about 10 minutes so if you want to try that Christy also if it was in a vaccine centre and you were getting it by email just check if you have Gmail or Hotmail or whatever you have some of those email accounts have little tabs down the side and on those tabs they have um, like something like promotions or um, sponsorships or there's different names on each email provider but just check those tabs check your spam obviously but also check those tabs like promotions and, and, else, and other names they have there because they're going into that for some reason as well so you might have the email already a lot of people that rang us when we mentioned that to them they rang back a few minutes later and said oh I had my search for the last three weeks uh, but I never checked that folder in my email because most people don't and you don't expect your COVID search to go in there either so you could try that Christy as well hopefully that uh, helps you out let us know how you get on with that uh, our lines are open 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103. Now our competition, as you know, you can play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes here on Cork's The Greatest Hits C103. So to celebrate, we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway, thanks to the NCBI. We're asking you across the week to listen out to this show and we will call out a bonus number each hour between 10am and 1pm. When you have all three numbers, you then text or WhatsApp us the combined total and you could be a winner. So we gave you a number earlier just after 10am here is your second number and the number is 12 okay 12 is your second number we'll give you your final number after midday and then when you get the combined total you then after midday will text or whatsapp us and you could be in with a chance of winning a 400 euro hotel voucher at the end of the week and that can be used in any Clayton or Maldron hotel in Ireland with thanks to C103 Bingo and the NCBI and ask for details on how to play bingo if you want to get more information on how to play C103 Bingo well you can just go to our website C103 and click on C103 Bingo. And the Premier League Dash returns this weekend and you can check out exclusive Premier League games live here on C103.ie and the C103 app with Premier League Live with Now, your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with Now. C103 Jobs. 
On today's Job Spot, we have opportunities for our restaurant staff, which includes front of house staff, also includes waiting, kitchen staff and chefs that are wanted for a new restaurant in Butterfent. You can email your details to the wildthyme at outlook.ie. A bakery assistant is wanted for Kenturk. You can email your CV to philpottshomebaking at gmail.com. And a PSV driver is wanted for a school run in the Ballinine area. Call 087-092-8901 for further details. And you'll find these jobs and more opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Across Cork City and County, this is Cork Today on C103. Is it time to change the way children prepare for the sacraments of Holy Communion and Confirmation with the Association of Catholic Priests? I think it's time for this to be discussed. And Father Roy O'Donovan joins me. Good morning to you, Father Roy. Uh, good morning. And thanks for joining us. I mean, we did hear last week from bishops who wanted to go ahead with communions and confirmations despite the health advice. And a lot of people were interested then in your statement that came out over the weekend to change the current model. What we have is those within the primary schools getting ready for the preparation of those sacraments. Is it time to take that outside school? Yeah, we're just wanting to raise a lot of questions um if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Around the practices in regard to First Communion and Confirmation, uh, if I give you this example there, um, there was a priest there from our diocese sent to Upper Valley Farmer there in the 1980s, and he made this observation. He said that um, the grannies are not even going to Mass. 
and this kind of shocked him that the, if if the grannies aren't going to mass, was on Sunday mass, what's going to happen to the church? And that's a that's a and the situation of the church in Ireland that there's a massive amount of people now not going to church any any longer. There's a huge disconnect with the church. Um, like say in our, in my parish, I'm in. There's probably eight to ten percent who come to um, Sunday mass. So. I suppose I just want to situate communion and confirmation in that context that there is a huge disconnect overall now in Ireland to the church. And with that disconnect, and you have, other priests have come out and said that they're aware families will come to the church for the big day and have the big party, but that's it. The child will make their Holy Communion or their confirmation, but may never see the inside of the church again. So is it a case of instead of forcing people into this, they can do it by choice? And that would that would be the um, I suppose the consideration. I think we're all kind of in a time warp here. That um, you know, parents as well for first communion. You know, they've inherited that kind of tradition around first communion and confirmation. They're big milestones and they're big social milestones as well. They're very important, um, but they're increasingly becoming divide of. Um, religious meaning, you might say. And if one is not um, part of a vibrant Christian community, which communion is meant to bring you further into that community, and confirmation ideally is meant to make you a full member of that vibrant, active Christian community. And if it becomes the exit, as it is at the moment, um, it just raises, there's a lot of questions that need to be looked at, a lot of issues for everyone. I think parents are caught because this is, they've inherited this, this is the done thing. Um, we have some parents every year who don't go down the traditional communion route um, because they know that it's not, it's empty for for them and why should they put their child through it? They should be more authentic, you know. So it's very difficult for parents um, to go th- not to go down the traditional route, you know, because a class you're going through this as a class with, with children, and you don't want to stand out, you know. So yeah. there's all of that as well. Yeah, of course, that social interaction of of the whole sacrament, and, and the other side of this is then if it was to go outside the school, that would still be there to some degree because you would have best friends who one may be going to make the holy communion and, and wearing the dress on the day and everything that goes with that, and the other person would not be. So that pressure may still remain regardless of where the preparation for either is going to be held. Yes. Yes, it would. It would. Yes. So that's why I say we're in kind of a time warp. Mm. We're, we're in, in the midst of huge change, and and I would argue that there's a huge disconnect with most people with with um, the church at the moment. Whatever version of Christianity we're offering in the church at the moment is not working. <laughs> and if the sacraments of both the Holy Communion and Confirmation, they're taken out of the school, how would that work then? Would it be like, for example, you go for your JA training, you know, rugby, soccer, basketball, whatever, it's done outside the school at a certain time? Um, again, um, let's say Dermot Martin, the former Archbishop of Dublin, he, he did a, a survey among 1,800 people and with focus groups around all of this. And they proposed, he wrote to every parish there in December 2019, suggesting that from this survey, that's very clear, 
that we need to take sacramental preparation out of the school and to do to put it in the home in conjunction with the parish, and that this was a long-term project, but it can't be kept on a long finger any longer, and that we need to take first steps towards that now. I suppose, I think one of the suggestions there was that maybe for an hour a week, uh, in preparation for communal confirmation, that they, they would be asked to attend um, in the church or in the community hall to do that preparation. And maybe one would have to get in some, I think in the diocese they were suggesting a regional resource person would be would be set up to do this. Um, so there, there are probably different, many different ways of going about that. It could, it could mean maybe implying a teacher um, to, to do one class, you know, not in the school, but in, in, the, in the parish context. But um, offering resources, families would need um, huge resources to do this as well, you know, to get involved. So, they would, um, because it's going to be another burden on parents who would be used to, uh, you know, going to sports training outside of hours. Now yeah, they will have to do yeah. this and Holy Communion mm-hmm. preparation and you're driving from, you know, A to B and C to do all of this. So it is a, a massive burden on parents. But for Catholic schools, you know, schools too are, are going by the Catholic ethos, even though some would say, you know, they, they have the Catholic ethos, but that's about all. Uh, those schools, would, would, would they not be encouraged to continue that or is it a total change in society you'd be asking for whereby Catholic schools would be no more and it would just be the state running these now as well, it I kind of is I, as it is I, I think because um, people don't have choices around going to Catholic or non-Catholic schools because uh, th- they were compromised on that you know mm. if it was very clear that you know the school you're going to hear is a Catholic school and the other school is a, uh, an educate together or non-denominational school then people have choices and then you can uh, follow those choices through in a, in a more clear way but because of our inherited um, situation I think we're, we're all compromised and um, trying to keep everyone um, happy in a way or something but um it's, it's not <laughs> as the Dublin Dices have had decided then anyway that the way forward was that the sacramental preparation would need to be done in the schools now of course that the schools I know I know they said that the schools would need to keep teaching the usual um, religion classes every week the grow and love program that they would, that would have to continue as well you know even though sacramental preparation would be taken out of the school so the, the religion would still be within the school but yes, the sacraments yeah. out. Okay. Yes, a- yeah. And you mentioned the various bishops there. I mean, have any of those spoken to the pastoral councils in parishes on this matter? And if they have, what has been the reaction? Because I presume then the teaching of the sacraments will be done in, in some of those local uh, halls uh, that are attached to a church or, or elsewhere. Yeah. Well, see, that, that hasn't arisen because um, Dublin Dice is the only diocese that has proposed this. And I think COVID has um, caught them has prevented that from happening mm. um, from what I gather. So nobody's tried this and um, so so that, that that hasn't, you know, that the pastoral councils haven't even been discussing this. So that's why we're putting this out, that these are issues that are not going to go away. These are questions that need to be looked at and even though I'd imagine this has come up among priests and and, and um, diocesan councils over the last 10 years, I think it keeps on coming up, but it keeps on going away again because um, I suppose 
while the system is working to some extent, why not keep it going is probably the attitude, you know. Yeah, and it'll be very strange for these both sacraments to be removed from the school. I think we've just, as you say, in a time warp, we've just grown up with that and it's kind of like you get to a certain part of the year and this is the way it happens. But I think the meaning of why they do go and, and make those sacraments is missing, as you say, and a lot to do with the party. Uh, would weddings then come under this? I mean, uh, for, for people who are getting married then, and this has nothing to do with education, but a, a few texts have come in from those who, you know, would never go uh, to church and yet yes, they'll approach yeah. their priest to get married in a church. I mean, would they be better off getting married on a beach or getting married in a civil ceremony rather than going along to a church if they don't go to the church every other day of the year? Yeah, I, I suppose, see, there's a lot of choices around marriage at the moment, isn't there, that mm. you, you can go anywhere almost to have your ceremony. And the very fact that couples are choosing to go to a church means they put a bit of thought or some reflection into it that has some meaning to them. So it seems to me that it's uh, <laughs> uh, that, that is not a, an issue like the way communions and confirmations are. I, I would have one issue around uh, weddings, and that is, the big time log between the ceremony and sitting down for the meal is often four or five hours. I, I think it's very harsh on people who are invited to a wedding expected to fast for four or five hours before they can um, sit down for a meal. Yeah, well, some, some would <laughs> say they, they have plenty to do in between. They might not be fasting, but I, they could be taking other measures, <laughs> liquid measures yeah. maybe. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, I think there's other issues that need to be looked at. They are practical ones. Maybe maybe the food they give out around 12 or 1 o'clock at night should be given to um, their, um, the people invited straight away when they come to the hotel. <laughs> well, we, we, I suppose that that's a matter outside of, <laughs> of getting married I in know, the church. It's I a, know, yeah, but, but I, it's, I it's one that a lot of people may agree with you with as well. Um, Father, I will have to leave it there. I mean, it's interesting. We'll wait and see what happens with this. If, if Holy Communions and indeed Confirmations do move away from being prepared for and taught within the school for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning on that. Okay. You're welcome. Take care. That is Father Roy O'Donovan there. And uh, your views are welcome. Is he right? Is it time to now, in all schools, remove uh, the preparation of Holy Communion and Confirmation? And they're more or less done then in, uh, in the church or in a hall, maybe in relation or associated with the church and not taught within the schools. Where religion would remain a subject, the preparation of those sacraments will be done outside of school hours. Uh, example of that would be the way you go for your GA soccer, you know, sport training uh, or anything else done outside of school like drama. It would be uh, more or less going that way. Your views are welcome. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And Bosco, he joins or she joins us next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Well, a very familiar theme tune uh, for children's TV over the years and the Everyman are holding a series of outdoor events as they are excited to present Bosco's Garden at Elizabeth Forsh. Bosco, much of the loved characters from children's TV here in Ireland over the years now joins me. Uh, Hello, Bosco. Hi. Hi, I'm so excited to be coming to court. (laughs) <laughs> well, we haven't spoken to you in a long while. So, uh, first of all, how was the last year for you with everything going on? Oh, well, I missed doing all my shows, but I had a lot to do all the same. And do you still live in your box? I do, and it's, I have it lovely at the moment. It's very tidy. I'll yeah. send you a photo if you like. 
do please yeah we'd love that and is the number five still on the lid of the box that used to be there oh, when yeah. you were on TV yeah yeah it's my favourite number it's still my favourite number and you mentioned there uh, you weren't able to do your shows over the last year or so was that tough considering everything going on that you had to more or less remain in that box Bosco oh yeah it was really sad but actually I didn't realise how really sad it was until last week I did a show in Wexford and I was so overcome I cried because I was so excited and I forgot what it was like because I hadn't done the show for so long and you are excited about coming to Cork I can hear that in your voice I mean as a child we all love to see Bosco the inside of your box every time you used to go down uh, downstairs and we used to see you on the TV heading down the excitement to see what what, what it was like for you uh, living within that box I mean uh, this is even more exciting Bosco we're going to see your garden this time because it's Bosco's garden at Elizabeth Fort yeah and it's a great story. It's all about the little creatures that live in my garden. And all the boys and girls can join in. And it's going to be great fun. And I've never been to Elizabeth Fort before. So I'm really excited about going there. Yeah, it's a beautiful area, Bosco. You'll love it in the heart of the city. Uh, really kind of an escapism uh, when you're in the city. And you mentioned there your garden. I mean, uh, have you always had an interest in gardening? Oh, I love gardening. I love plants. And you know what I have at the moment? I have sunflowers. I planted just these tiny little seeds and upgrew these huge big sunflowers. And the bees love them. Well, aren't you very good now? That's a good for biodiversity. We have a gardener here on this show. His name is Peter Dowdall. Peter will be delighted with you because he's always encouraging that. So he'll be thrilled that Bosco, of all people, is into the biodiversity. And Bosco, you mentioned there about interaction at the show. So you'll be looking forward to all the boys and girls asking you a lot of questions. Yeah, I love that. And I love seeing them and I love hearing them laugh and everything because it's a bit funny too. Of course it is. And I know your good friend Paula is with you too, Paula Lambert, who travels everywhere with Bosco and has been doing so for the last 42 years, which is a very long time. Uh, hello to you, Paula. Hi, how are you? I'm <laughs> fine, thanks. It's It's been a tough year for your business and for what you do with the amount of theatres and basically the arts being closed, but slowly reopening, started online, and now at least we're getting back to physical concerts and physical shows like this one. Yeah, it's oh, it's such a thrill to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just hope it does open up a little bit quicker now and that the venues can open up and... The capacity is, is you know, that they can have more people in because it's just not viable to have such small numbers and open up big, big venues. But please, God, it will all happen um, pretty soon. There, there's, there doesn't seem to be a roadmap as to when that is about to happen. It's just kind of outdoors at the moment. Um, so everybody's waiting with bated breath to see when we can really go back to work properly. Yeah, everybody is. And for the industry like yourselves there and what you do across the country, I mean, how did you survive? How, how was the industry and how is it? I mean, would a lot in the industry, have they have they decided to keep going or is there going to be a lot of changes, do you feel? Well, um, I hope there's not going to. I hope everything will, will open up and things will pick up. I mean, a lot of people did uh, a lot of work online 
um, I I find it so hard, you know, with with writing a script and coming up with an idea. I don't tend to do that because you lose so much material in 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 one go. And I also think my show is is a live show. It really. It's all about the children being there and participation and and all of that kind of thing. It, it doesn't really work any other way for me. So, yeah, I hope everything opens up. I think that it's been really hard for people to survive. And if it wasn't for the PUP, I don't know what we would have done because there, there just was no way of, of, of doing shows. Yeah, everything was closed. There was no way of, of making a living, basically. And yeah. uh, every, at the moment, the likes of the Everyman and others, they are making things work like this uh, fantastic outdoor series they are running in, in a great location, Elizabeth Fort. It's a, a hidden gym in the city. I don't know, have you been there before yourself? I haven't actually been there before. We're really looking forward to going there. And I think that, yes, the Everyman are fantastic um, to, to, to put this event on and, and give give us a chance to, to get back out there and do performances. So I'm very grateful to Sophie and the Everyman for that. Um, it, it, it's great. It's so long since we've been in Cork that we're just so excited to, to go there. Well, we're very excited to welcome you both back. And Paula, for Bosco, I mean, what makes Bosco still as popular as ever? After three decades, I mean, when Bosco first went to air, it still was going to air into the late 90s. And now those who were growing up with Bosco are now showing Bosco to their children via various, you know, platforms like YouTube. What makes Bosco still as popular as ever? I think it's because, like, Bosco's very true... To, to a five-year-old, and he's always stayed like that. I say he, Bosco isn't a he or a she. He's a, it's just a Bosco. He's always been ahead of his time um, in, in that way. So uh, he just appeals to, to everybody, and I think that he, like, he's funny, and, and children really get that. Very true. I've never said he so much talking about Bosco. <laughs> and that's the one <laughs> it's thing. It's a really <laughs> difficult thing to do. But yeah, like sort of he, he, he always was, wasn't was a boy or a girl. Or, you know, he's a, a great little character. Very true. That's the one thing I, I wasn't going to ask, but because uh, I know it's, it's some question that every time I hear an interview w- with you or Bosco, it's the question that keeps coming up and I'm sure you're sick of answering it. But yeah, it's neither he or she, it's Bosco. He, or, or he never he never had a, a mammy or a daddy. He always just had a grown up. So he was very kind of a, a back in the time, like way ahead of his, his, the, the time now. Very uh, politically correct, really. Very true. And tickets for this show, it's running on the 15th of August. They are available from The Everyman. Yeah, they are. And that's Sunday the 15th of August. You can get them from The Everyman website and also, of course, The Everyman on McCurtain Street. And before I let you go, Paula, you might put Bosco back on the phone there to me. I would have a very quick chat with Bosco. I was speaking there, uh, Bosco, to Paula and I was asking about TV and how popular you were. Would you ever like to go back on TV again at some stage? Oh, yeah, I would. I would love to do that. But I most of all really and truly love going to see all the boys and girls and having a chat and a laugh. That's kind of my favourite thing. But, yeah, I would, I'd do anything because I love people. Well, you never know. Maybe one of those uh, streaming services might pick you up or your, or your old home of RTE might come knocking again because you could go back and visit all the places like you used to, Bosco, like Dublin Zoo and all those places through the magic door. Yes, 
Yes, I love that. I went to the zoo more than anybody. And you know what as well? Years ago, well, maybe in 2014 or, or around about that time, I spent a big, huge amount of time in Fosa. Oh, excellent. Did you enjoy Fosa as much as the zoo? I loved Fosa because I loved every day when I was doing my show. The lemurs would come down and say hello and I could hear the monkeys and the birds and oh, I just love Fosa. But don't tell Dublin Zoo, it's my favourite place. <laughs> we won't say anything to the lads. Because really, I think it's because all the animals are outside and running about and everybody's having a great time. And I think there's something special about Cork anyway, because the people are so nice. I had a great time there. Imagine, I got to go to Fosa every day for two months. Every day, could you imagine? It was lovely. And, and I remember that it never rained at all. So hopefully the rain doesn't come down when we go to Elizabethport. Hopefully it's not. it's been very rainy in Dublin for the last few days. Oh, well, it rarely rains here in Cork Bosco. We've, we always have a, a sunny spells here, so hopefully it will be that, that way on Sunday the 15th. Uh, Bosco, the very best of luck to you. Thanks for talking to us this morning. Thank you so much. I loved talking to you. Talk and to you soon. Don't forget to come and see my show. We won't on the 15th of August. That's a Sunday at the fantastic outdoor location the Everyman have at Elizabeth Forest. You'll find more information on their website. Enjoy the outdoor geek, Bosco. We're very much looking forward to seeing your garden. Thank you. Yippee! Bye-bye, Bosco. Bye. Yesterday, the famous Wally the Walrus, who was appearing in different locations across the south coast of this country yesterday, popped up locally at Clonakilty Bay. Wally the Walrus, he's providing uh, much entertainment for many uh, people over the last number of weeks. And Michael Scully is from Clonakilty Distillery and joins me this afternoon. Afternoon to you, Michael. Uh, hello, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for joining us. Tell us what you came across yesterday. Did the walrus decide to pop onto one of your boats for his news? Yeah, we've got a um, we've got a boat moored in the bay just outside Clonakilty, and it's actually the boat we use to harvest and forage our botanical rocks and fur, which we use in our Milky Gin. And actually, we were planning to go out this week to um, with a team to start our annual harvest and. Um, Lo and behold, yesterday, about 12 o'clock, um, Wally appeared and um, and climbed onto our boat and spent the whole afternoon and all of the night just um, lying in the boat and um, hopping on and off every few hours for a little swim and he'd come back up again. So it's um, it's an amazing sight to see. Yeah, I've seen the pictures that you have tweeted, really amazing, and he's been doing this in various locations, as I mentioned. I know he was in Waterford and Ardmore last week. Uh, I mean, did you go, obviously he, he can be very dangerous, did you go near the boat or near him, and how near did you get? Well, we, we did go out in a friend's boat just to make sure that everything was safe and everything was okay, but we, we did stay um, stay a good few metres away just to, um, just to give him a space and to respect his space. I certainly wouldn't want to go too close to him. He's um, while while he's friendly and I don't think he's aggressive. He's a very big animal and um, he's got tusks, maybe seven eight inches long. Probably the weight of a big bull. He's probably nearly um, a ton weight. So um, yeah. it's pretty massive. 
they can be very dangerous and, and they are trained I mean their, their, their heritage or their, their nature is to attack so that's, that's what they will be used to in the seas but uh, the boat you have I mean, any damage to the boat or has he caused damage to boats in the area do you know? Well we're very lucky because the boat has actually got quite a white beam so it's able to to stay balanced in the water when he does climb up on it but um, he, he did sink a neighbour's boat overnight it was uh, it was an old timber wooden boat and uh, and uh, I think his weight was too much and the boat went under. But thankfully, that's a good news story because they managed to save it later on and the uh, boat is now on, on back on land and um, ready for some minor repairs. OK, well, that's good. And uh, the walrus we're mentioning there, I mean, I presume it's the same one because he does travel a good bit. So I don't know, have we multiple walruses across the South Coast or is this the same guy? And uh, we have no way of knowing how you identify a walrus. But I mean, for yourself, how often would you go out on that boat? Yeah, the um, well, we, we use it in the summertime, just it's a very short season, maybe just eight or ten weeks. The last time, actually, we were out was at the charity Galleyhead Swim from Galleyhead to to Ross Carberry a few weeks ago, and uh, which was an amazing charity event, which was, that was really special. Yeah, and beautiful so, morning that you had for that as well, and fantastic yeah. group of people who went along there, so that, that was a good day to be out in a boat. It was, yeah. Yeah, he's the same walrus. He is... Um, so I, I was actually talking to uh, Bobby Cooley of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, and they have identified him as, as Wally because there's a white marking on his left-hand flipper. So um, it, it's very unusual to see a walrus in these waters. Very, very unusual. Yeah, so the, it is definitely him because he does. I know they can swim for miles and miles, and they're very strong swimmers. So uh, that, that's what we were wondering here. Was it the same guy? But if they've identified him as it is, well, the, the, there we are. I mean, it just shows that they are strong swimmers when they can one, they can go from one, you know, part of of Ireland or even further afield, and then end up in Clonakilty. And I mean, you there when you mentioned you're on the boat, you're very aware uh, of the whales we have here off our coast. I mean, you, you've mentioned the distillery where you're from. I know you've produced the, the gin and whiskey there. Haven't you named um, one of the gins after the, the various whales that we have here off our coast. That's right, yes. We've got a, our gin is called Minky Irish Gin, which is named after the Minky Whale, which uh, we swim in our waters off the galley head. And we've just launched the Minky Vodka to go with it. So I think it's possible that Wally heard about our vodka <laughs> and he decided to come and have a look and see for himself. And how are things going with the distillery? I mean, the last number of years, or the last two years, more or less, uh, with bars and restaurants being closed, uh, has that affected just you guys? I know you have your own bar there in the establishment, but uh, for sales and distribution, did it have an effect, or, or did you pick it up in in the wholesale and retail side of things? Yeah, I think it is, I think I think it is balanced out by and large. A lot of our products would be exported, and while. The on trade is closed in the export markets as well. I think that the um, that that in, in the in the off trade that the increase in sales there are is, uh, is more than compensating. So we're relatively happy. Maybe not growing quite as quickly as we expected to grow, but given the environment for the last eighteen months, I don't think we can complain too much. And gin is becoming so popular, isn't it, Michael? I mean, when you look at various areas of the country, they're all making their their own gin. Uh, gin, even I mean, uh, you you have yours there. Other areas have theirs as well. You're now in, in whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Well, the gin gin is amazing, but I suppose we primarily we are a whiskey distillery, and we we've, we've been making our whiskey um, for the, almost three years now and uh, maturing it at our warehouse out by the Atlantic Ocean, which is a unique environment to make your whiskey. So we're really looking forward to um, the future and seeing what our own whiskey is going to taste like. 
And are you still producing the hand sanitizer as well? I know we spoke to you earlier on at the start of the pandemic about that. Um, no, we're not. We, we we finished that a few months back. I think that people are getting pretty used to the hand sanitizer mm. now. And um, we actually do have some hand sanitizer in stock and we've given it away for free to local businesses or charities. Uh, I think we're on our last pallet. So if there's anybody in the area that would like a free bottle of sanitizer, please call in and we're more than happy to uh, give it to people. Oh, you're very good. And, and are you open there now again? So uh, in your site there, uh, which is we in Clonical Town, visitor, yeah? The visitor experience is open and um, the shop. So we're, we're almost back to normal. And Very the restaurant good. next door is also open under under new management. And how is uh, the tourism market? I mean, have you seen an uptake? And we, well, I, I know myself, I've seen a lot of staycationers in and around the area of Clonakilty over the last number of months. Has that been reflected in those visiting? It is. It's been fantastic for the last three or four weeks, especially. There's um, there's there's a lot of people, mostly Irish people, but you'd be surprised at how many foreigners actually come in as well. All of course, with their COVID certs and vaccine certs. So, um, you know, we were very, very happy with trading over the last two to three weeks. And you mentioned your whiskey there. That that's obviously, you know, gin is huge, but whiskey as well uh, was your primary goal there. How long do you keep or produce the whiskey? I mean, how long does it stay in the facility you mentioned there uh, looking over the Atlantic? It takes three years from the time you make a whiskey to... Mm mature to be technically called a whiskey. The reality is that it probably needs four or five years before the quality is really good enough to put it in the marketplace. So at the moment, we're sourcing liquid from other distilleries and we're finishing it in our own casks, in our own environment by the Atlantic Ocean. We expect to be able to release our own Clonakilty made whiskey, which, by the way, won the, the world's best new make spirit last year at the World's Whiskey Awards. So we're expecting to release that in about three more years' time, and we're very excited about what that's going to be and taste like. We expect it will be pretty good. Indeed. Well, best of luck to, with, with all of that, Michael. And if people want to go and visit the distillery uh, in Clonakilty, uh, the best way, it's across the way from uh, Hearts on the bypass in Clonakilty. That's the, the best way I can describe it there in the old GA pitch. Am I right? Yes, that's right. Well, you can't miss it. There's a big whale's tail <laughs> <That's sculpture true. laughs> actually right outside the door, which we operate, and it's... Uh, it's, a, it's interesting, it's actually, now that we're talking about whales, it's the, the sculpture is inspired by this amazing humpback whale called Boomerang, who has been coming back to the Galley Head Lighthouse in that general area for the last 20 years. Um, and that's why he's called Boomerang. So the, um, the sculpture is, um, is a replica of his tail flute. Well, you might be putting another sculpture now next to Boomerang. It could be Wally. Uh, is Wally creating a bit of tourism himself, an attraction in the area? Like, are people going to see where your boat is? There, there are. Now, the boat is a few hundred metres offshore, so it's pretty difficult to uh, get a close-up view, and it is a very narrow road where there. But there are quite a few people there. The Again, the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group have asked people to be very careful and, and not to get up too close to him on boats and then just respect his own space but um, but it, it is becoming a bit of a tourist attraction we don't know how long he's going to stay in the area we're going to leave our boat there and we're not going to move it for at least a week just in case he does decide to to go off for a swim for a day and come back and um, is looking for somewhere to rest but um, and we're quite, we're quite happy that it's um, it's a big enough boat that he's going to be safe in it so it's going to be exciting and we would be delighted if he in our area for a few days 
But having said that, the important thing is that he heads back up north to Greenland or Iceland or wherever he, he originated from. So he gets back to to his own family and his own friends. He's, he must be pretty lonesome down yeah. the south coast of Ireland at the moment. Yeah, that he's safe, and I don't know. Does does, does he miss other walrus or not? Or maybe he's happy to be in his own. I'm not too sure, but whatever the situation is, anyway, he is there in Clonakilty. He might be like Boomerang Michael. He might decide to visit you every year and bring that bit of tourism there to you guys. So you'll have to wait and see. We'll always have a walrus B and B for him if he ever decides <laughs> to come back. <laughs> exactly. For the moment, uh, Michael, the very best of luck to you with the whiskey and indeed your business there in Clonakilty in the distillery. And I'm sure we'll chat to you again soon. And uh, look after Wally. Thank you so much. Take care. Uh, That's uh, Michael Scully there uh, from the Clonakilty Distillery and Wally the Walrus, who's on his boat in Clonakilty Bay, uh, proving to be a popular tourist attraction as well, as Michael said there. And if you are in the area, just remember, they they are dangerous. So don't be going on or near the boat uh, before you get attacked because uh, their nature is to obviously, you know, hunt. And that's the last thing we want is someone injured by the walrus because that walrus would just be protecting himself. Anyway, uh, Wally the Walrus there, uh, who is now in Clonakilty Bay. And your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I've a number of comments in on various issues we've been discussing across the morning. I'll get to those next. But our competition, which we are running across this week, where now you can play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes here on Cork's The Greatest Hits C103. And to celebrate, we're giving you a chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway. Thanks to the NCBI across the programme I've been giving you bonus numbers every hour and this is your final number you now have to combine the total and you could be a winner where you could be winning 400 euros of a hotel voucher which at the end of the week when we make our draw uh, you could be going along to either the Clayton or Maldron Hotel any of those across the country and if you want more details on how to play C103 Bingo go along to our website c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo the final number is 17 1 and 7 17 is your final number combine that with the other two numbers add them all up the total text that in along with your name and where you are to text or WhatsApp 0862103103 with thanks to the NCBI and C103 Bingo The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork Cadollery Home Bingo Books they're now on sale from their usual outlets and this week's snowball prize is €500 Euro. Ballonhasset Community Development Association they are holding a clothing collection in the Marion Hall in Ballonhasset that is going ahead each Monday and Thursday evening from 7 to 8.30pm and from Monday the 2nd of August to Thursday the 19th items of used clothes pair shoes bags towels sheets curtains and duvet covers they're all welcome and the collection is to raise funds for the refurbishment of the Marion Hall car park and Timaleague Drive-In Bingo goes ahead this Saturday at 4 o'clock in the community sports field in Timaleague with gates opening there at 3 o'clock and books available on the day and a coffee afternoon in aid of breakthrough cancer research will be held in the garden of Kathleen Finn in Cork McShurry that's going ahead this Sunday from 2 to 6pm and the house will be signposted from the village of Cork McShurry and from Barry Road Cork today on scene 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103.
The Irish Men's Shed Association has launched a new manual, Your Shed and Dementia, aimed at raising awareness of the condition as well as offering those who are involved with men's sheds and indeed their families support networks. Fiona Foley is the National Coordinator of Dementia Understand Together campaign and she joins me on this this afternoon. Hello, Fiona. Hello, John Paul. How are you today? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I mean, this was developed in partnership with the HSC and the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. And I suppose it gives people the tool to recognise the signs of dementia, first of all. Yes, as well. So the Dementia Understand Together campaign aims to increase understanding of dementia, but also wants to inspire everybody in our community to support people with dementia to stay included and connected. Um, So this manual is one tool of many where we um, included some content about dementia, what it means, um, how we can communicate with a person, you know, some listening tips, and to make it easier for people with dementia um, to be welcomed into the men's shed. And also some of the shedders themselves might be affected by dementia um, they might uh, be caring for a person with dementia. So it's a helpful manual to have um, with some resources as well. And uh, when I was researching this, I mean, we're, we're all very aware of certain types of dementia, but there's actually over 400 types of it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, people are very often, you know, familiar with Alzheimer's um, disease, but there are actually 400 different types. So it's really important to know which type of dementia a person has so that, you know, the interventions and the supports can be coordinated accordingly. Um, and I think other dementias would be vascular dementia, Lewy body dementia, and they all have different effects on the person. Um, very often we think it's associated with memory loss, but it could be also that that people have difficulties communicating. Um, they might, you know, be more um, isolated. They might not want to go out into a, a setting anymore. And they might have difficulties with day-to-day tasks as well. Yeah, and I mean, we mentioned there about the men's sheds and the organisation, the support that they provide uh, for so many men across the country and, as you mentioned, their families for everything in life. But for someone with dementia, you know, if you, if you have this, it doesn't stop you from living. We have spoken to many people over the years on this show who have dementia and the various uh, types of dementia you mentioned there, and they still do continue with life. And I suppose with the men's sheds, they offer a range of activities, you know, from DIY to uh, live music sessions and gardening and social events and while things have been different for the last year and a bit, you know, that support network can continue despite someone being told that they have dementia, uh, depending on the form of dementia they may have. Yeah, and that's such an important message to get across as well, because just because a person um, has that diagnosis of dementia, it doesn't mean that their life changes ultimately um, from the start. Of course, it's a progressive disease, but people, you know, tend to live well for a very long time. And the majority of people are in our communities. So they're taking, you know, they're, they're using our services um, just like everybody else. They go into the banks, into the libraries, into a coffee shop, they meet their friends. Um, and I think it is really important that people understand that and that they um, make sure that their services um, are accessible for people with dementia. And also for a person who's been diagnosed, I mean, it is always really hard to, to get that diagnosis and to hear that. And, you know, people might be reluctant then to go out because they're not sure how their friends um, or their networks might react. 
So if people have a better understanding, I think it also helps the person with dementia to feel very comfortable continuing to go out into those kind of community settings like the men's sets and continue with those friendships and with those social interactions and activities, um, which also helps them to, to stay included, but also um, reduces the, you know, the, the impact of the, of the condition. And within this programme then there is six simple actions for people to take a stand and support those families who have been affected by dementia, isn't there? Yeah, so what we are always trying to say, everybody in our communities can play a role in that. It's you, it's me, it's every organisation that's out there. And a lot of times it's the small things that make the massive difference for the person with dementia and for their carers as well. And I think the key message here is that we continue to see the person and not the dementia, that dementia does not define the person and that we really look at how can we stay in touch, how can we continue with our friendships and how can we support them to to go into their golf clubs, into their tennis clubs, into their sets. Um, so it is about asking how we can help. It's about staying in touch and really looking at, you know, how can people can keep up their hobbies and also go into our local spaces and communities. And when we mention supports for the person there with a dementia and the supports that they will get from being involved with the men's sheds, if they are, or other networks like the men's sheds, I mean, the person and the families who have are watching their loved one with dementia, you know, they also need support. I know the men's sheds will support them as well and, and create a network for them. But it's very important to remember these because they're watching their loved one change in front of them. And while everything, as you mentioned, those six steps is, you know, trying to keep things as normal as possible, uh, the person person doing the most caring uh, needs the support, be that, you know, a family member, a wife, a husband or whoever. Yes. Um, and, you know, we've really noticed during COVID, you know, when people were staying at home and um, being much more isolated, what kind of impact that also had on the carer. And, you know, they need the friendship, they need the support, and there is a support network out there. So in addition to the men's sheds, you know, there are also other support groups that, you know, carers can contact and be part of. But I think that topic of friendship and, you know, that kindness of, you know, neighbours and of family members, that is really essential, you know, that carers really feel that they can be heard, that they might be able to voice their concerns, they might be able to say that they're tired and they need some help, um, and that they have that listening ear um, within their networks as well. And we mentioned there about this being implicated and obviously being put into a programme here in Ireland. A lot of this information came from Australians' minsheds and the Alzheimer's Society in New South Wales. They have been doing a big amount of research in Australia into dementia. So it's great to know that the research being carried out in other countries such as ours now is being implemented here because you're using the majority and the most information we have from not only here in Ireland but also Australia. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really um, vital for us to look across the borders as well and to really learn from one another. So there are quite a lot of networks that we can tap into and a lot of research that's been conducted, you know, of, of what works well and how can we make sure that people can stay connected in their communities. And the same here in Ireland as well. We work, you know, in co- collaboration with the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, with Age Friendly Ireland, but over 40 partner organizations. So they range from retail to 
banking to um, to community groups. Uh, and it's not something that we can do alone. It's not something that, you know, one organization or one person can do alone. It is really critical that we work together in a collaboration and use those resources that are available. And that's why that's why it's so wonderful that the men's feds are on board as well, because they have 450 feds. They are usually, uh, you know, without COVID now, they would have about 10,000 people per week attending the feds. So that's an incredible network to have and to spread the message and to continue talking about dementia and really help reduce that stigma that is there and help people to stay connected. Yeah, and it's a fantastic network. Is Irish men sheds? I think the majority of communities across the country have a men sheds, and I know those that don't will go to a nearby community or try to set up one themselves. And yeah. well done on this campaign, the Dementia Understanding Together campaign. I do think you know we do all of us need to know more about dementia and the effects it has. And I think the big thing coming out of this is if someone has dementia, you know they can still live their lives. They're not totally closed off from society. Uh, and uh, help is out there. And speaking of help, if someone wishes to contact yourselves, is the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland? helpline the best number to contact you on? Yeah, that's a great number to call, especially if you're affected by dementia and have some questions around dementia. You can call 1-800-341-341. So that is the helpline. But you can also visit our website, which is understandtogether.ie. And we also have the manual under the publications listed there and you can download it there. Very good, Fiona. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on that and the best of luck to you. Thanks so much for having me. All the best. Take care. That is Fiona Foley there, who's the National Coordinator of the Dementia Understanding Together campaign. And again, uh, that helpline for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, it's free phone 1-800-341-341 that opens Monday to Friday from 10am to 5pm and they're open Saturdays from 10am to 4pm. And also the Minsheds website there is minsheds.ie if you want more information on their network. Our lines are 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 And we'll get to calls and comments into the show across the morning shortly. But first, our competition this week, where now you can play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes on Cork's The Greatest Hits C103. And to celebrate, we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway. Thanks to the CBI. Across the programme this morning we'll be giving you bonus numbers we gave them to you at 10 just after 10 o'clock after 11 and after midday we asked you to add up all those numbers and then the text in uh, with your combined total along with where you were and if you are one of those lucky people you could be heading away on a hotel stay uh, later in the week and today is the number when you add them all up what do you get? 36 and well done uh, to Natasha O'Leary who is in Clonakilty. Hello to you, Natasha. You were in the draw uh, for this Friday where someone will win a €400 Euro hotel voucher and this can be used at any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels across the country. It's with thanks to C103 Bingo and the NCBI. For full details on how to play C103 Bingo, go to our website, c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo. I'll give you more bonus bingo numbers tomorrow on the show for your chance to be in that draw. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow morning again after 10am. But into your calls and comments which have come into us over the last hour or so and this was on the conversation we had with Father Roy O'Donovan on communions and confirmations being removed 
uh, from the school and the preparation for those sacraments would happen outside of school hours. So they would happen maybe within a church or within a hall associated with a church. And this would be done like you would with sporting organisations. You would train outside of school hours, something similar to that. Mixed views on this. First of all, uh, a texter here says, with regards to all of this, why can't our religion be kept as it is? It's our heritage. That priest, would he stop waffling and pandering to others? Let them do as they wish. But our Catholic religion is our heritage to step up or give up and wash your hands of the lot. Uh, don't be pandering. Uh, be leaders. We have panderers enough in government already. And another text similar to that. And while religion, he didn't say about religion being removed from schools, that would still be within the school uh, curriculum. But it's just the preparation of those sacraments would be removed. Uh, John says similar. He says, I feel in this country we are just changing everything uh, that we have grown up with. All our Irish heritage is being erased. Okay, people not uh, might not go to church, but communions and confirmations were always part of primary school in this country. Why is that now going to change? Again, our heritage is being eroded. We won't recognise our Irish country in 20 years. And what's the land of the saints and scholars? What are we going to be now? Will we be getting rid of our green and shamrock next to suit others across the world, says John. And on the communion, a person here says, does the bishops and priests realise what they are doing to our children with their holy communions? They are making them upset, depressed, destroying their mental health. Uh, some of them are gone 10 years of age. What in God's name are they doing to us? It's just pure scutting. Something must be done to make these go ahead. Stop weddings. They are far more dangerous than a holy communion or a confirmation. Uh, well, the September, I think, will be the soonest if it is going to go ahead in September. But uh, there, I know some bishops up the country were looking at going ahead and, and going forward uh, with communions and confirmations, but none here in the Cork area and any diocese operating here in Cork, which would be Cork and Ross, Cline and Kerry. Uh, nobody coming out there. So not too sure what's going to happen in the future. But at the moment, it looks like everything is in place for late September, if unless things change. Not too sure that's what's in place. Things might change later uh, regarding communion dates. We'll just have to wait and see uh, when children return to school on the exact dates if they will remain in place. Uh, Isha is in Carrigline. She says, why can't the children get their first Holy Communion in the schools and in their uniforms instead of the churches? It is all about the big white dress and the party after and the bouncy castle. If you take the big dress and the party out of it, there won't be many families bothering with communion, says Isha in Carrigline. And on the COVID cert, and Christy onto us earlier, who was, he's in Screen Rinky, looking for his COVID cert, hasn't got it yet. We did say maybe if you search the various tabs in your emails, you may locate it. But Liz uh, says, with regards to that, in the Gmail anyway, in the main Gmail page, there is a search facility at the top of the page. So if you click on search, type in digital COVID cert, uh, if it is in any of those tabs it will pop up this way so thank you Liz for that that may help people uh, because many people who rang us and said they didn't receive their search then when we advise them of these various tabs that we all have in our Hotmail or Gmail or whatever Outlook whatever you're using uh, most of them have a different tab uh, when they went looking it was in one of those tabs such as promotions you wouldn't think it would end up there but it was so uh, people rang us back saying even though they were uh, two weeks without one and they were ringing the helpline they had the search all along so try that uh, as Liz said it, it may be within one of those boxes within your email or one of those tabs and Teddy 
or Tommy even sorry Tommy was on to us earlier uh, about sleep and he was wondering if anybody else was in the same situation as he was not getting a great night's sleep for the last seven or eight nights nothing is worrying him he usually sleeps fine this was unusual for him he was chatting to his work colleagues and a number of people he's spoken to are having the same problem and he wants to know why this is and Tommy you're not alone because we're inundated with people all morning uh, a lot of people just simply texting in yes I agree with Tommy I am the same and we, I, I'm huge response to this uh, from people who are just finding it hard to sleep and mainly in the last week or the last eight or nine days uh, is from what we're getting back from texters here but one texter may have a solution to this and may have a reason not too sure if this is the reason or not we were looking at the moon because uh, sometimes a full moon can lead to people having a bad night's sleep but that's not until the end of the month or, or two weeks away anyhow uh, but this person has texted in to say the reason why people are having a bad night's sleep is because the stars are aligning for a big crescendo of falling between 12 and 6 in the morning watch for it it will be beautiful and also this will lead in time then to a full blue moon so that could be one of the reasons why uh, so many people are having a bad night's sleep to do with the skies and the stars and the moon and we did mention the moon earlier so that could be one of the reasons why Tommy if you're if that makes you feel any better and everybody else who's texting this morning who are having the same problem as Tommy and Nicola has texted and she says what might help people get to sleep It's a bath with lavender oil in and a little aloe vera gel with lavender oil mixed in and massage that onto your shoulders, your neck and wherever you or a significant other can reach. Because something we have done since COVID is to make sure our last hour of the night, if we watch TV, it's something we watch is lighthearted, a breakaway from reality. Then if all else fails, I have some word puzzles on my iPad and that soon sends me back to sleep that may help. Uh, that advice from Nicola on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And so many people uh, like Tommy having a bad night's sleep. Regarding the hospital in Bantry, admissions, as we heard earlier, opening tomorrow morning from 9am. And while people welcome that news, you know, no one wants us to be in a situation like that again. And a lot of talk about the HSC management and feels a lot of those management now should look at themselves and they should resign. How could they not have foreseen that the doctors have to get their holidays in? Uh, uh, says Anne on uh, climate. Christy uh, in Tebbenglanton has sent in a, a WhatsApp to do with climate and he says, Hi JP, uh, COVID must have passed. We were previously saturated in the media talking about Trump, followed by wall to wall Brexit, then COVID and vaccines. And now it seems to be the climate change nonsense has taken over from all of that, says Christy. So what, says Christy, if the Earth's temperature rises by one or two degrees over the next 30 years? That won't make us sweat much more, except we we will be made sweat to pay the increased taxes to pay for that agenda. How many of those experts who are pushing this agenda have gone away from fossil fuels and retrofitted their homes and using electric vehicles? Maybe they have as they can afford to do so. We got a full week of sunshine this year and one would think the sky had fallen in listening to so many eco-warrior experts blaming the fine spell on climate change. When it rains, they also blame it on climate change. These individuals would need a serious chat with themselves and listen to the nonsense they sprout. We would need more sunshine. I wonder how many of these so-called climate experts and all those misguided eco-warriors youths we see protesting on climate change go to Spain or Portugal for their holidays 
place so as to get a bit of sunshine. I bet most of them do, says Christy, who is in Tipple Glanton. That's Christy's view on climate change. And of course, this is what has come out yesterday, which say it's a red alert uh, for humans on this planet uh, regarding the future of the world. And the escalating climate change has been set out uh, for many. It's kind of a frightening uh, looking ahead to what they think will happen. Uh, we'll have more flash floods and more intense rainfall and more frequent heat waves and drought that will increase and leading more storms. And also we'll see the loss of coastal land and rising seas. That's all to escalate over the next number of years. And even though we will have this disruption and it will create climate chaos and also uh, chaos when it comes to trading to many of our uh, business partners right across the world, you'll also see countries that we would go to for holidays, their climate will change as well. So it will have a huge uh, knock-on effect. And that report uh, was from the Intergovernmental uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. That's the IPCC. They're the ones who issued that report yesterday afternoon. And they're just stressing on what will happen will be felt in every region across the world. But people have different views on climate change. And that's Christie's view there into us earlier. I was asking about the burial grounds and if you can have, when we were speaking about the, the graveyards, you can have graveyards which are uh, conducted and looked after by the local authority and then you can have parish uh, grounds as well. Some of the burial grounds are operated by the parish so you can have uh, both. Thank you to this gang in Citizens Information for that. And on graveyards, Phil says on the subject of that, it would be a great act of charity if the gates of St John's Graveyard in Coachford were replaced. They are in a deplorable condition. It's a lovely graveyard but I think the gates need to be replaced at this stage and very finally a number of people when we mentioned the COVID digital search issue earlier on the show we're looking for the number that we gave and if you ring this number around 4 o'clock we're told you get through in a, in a few minutes from the, the, the people that have been ringing us over the last week or so not too sure if you will get through or not maybe everybody's copying on now that that is the time frame but if you ring 1-800-807-008 that is the number for the digital COVID search if you haven't got yours already 1-800-807 We'll chat to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.